0: Welcome, William Ramsey. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Me too. So thanks for talking to me about this. So um, right after the Emmys were over, I got a direct message from you of the selfie of the Central Park Five at the Emmys. Uh, these once convicted, now they vacated their conviction. One judge vacated it. Uh, and they are at the, at the Emmys parting it up being fully celebrated. I mean, I, it was I'm glad I got the text message from you, but it was it's disturbing to see, no?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Totally disturbing because uh, it's still not there's a significant amount of people including the arresting officers who believe that they were involved in what well, you know, the uh rape and close to near murder of uh, the Central Park jogger. So, I think that to see them in the the limelight uh, with Ava DuVernay, I think it was very disturbing.
0: Yeah, very very disturbing. And also, just the idea, I keep having a fantasy, like, well, what if they showed, instead of clips from When They See Us, what if they showed clips from The Confession?
1: Great point. <laughs> Do you think point.
0: people would be throwing tomatoes? Or Absolutely.
1: I mean, they probably wouldn't want to be in their presence if they actually saw the uh, confessions that were in there, the non-coerced confessions, which Ava DuVernay keeps restating in public interviews that they were coerced confessions. But uh, if you look at the police procedural activities, the, the parents were there, they were invited there, um, they confessed, and so or confessed to being involved. So it, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of grotesque to see them uh, with these Hollywood luminaries uh, parting it up.
0: And Do you think that it has anything to do with the fact that legally, I mean, we didn't even see this with the Central Park Five. I mean, we, I mean, with the West Memphis Three, all we saw was Damien Echols and maybe Johnny Depp together on a red carpet. But this kind of celebration publicly, uh, I don't remember seeing it in any of these kind of award shows for them.
1: No, do you I don't. think
0: that has anything to do with the the fact that they pled guilty to get out or?
1: Well, oh in what way? For the um West Memphis Three or for the mm-hmm. Central Park Five? Well yeah, I think that, that the the West Memphis Three, Damien Echols seemed to like the limelight. I think he was at the Golden Gods Awards at the with the invite uh Marilyn Manson at one point of twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. So he did have a little bit of of some type of limelight, but uh I think the West Memphis I think that in the Central Park five case, the propaganda and a very slick, um well produced video on Netflix, uh, pretty much convinced everybody that there was an injustice. And I think that, I mean, at this point, if we look at all these other cases we're going to talk about tonight, I think that the odds are against really the legal system itself in a a general sense that these processes can be second-guessed, third-guessed, and re-guessed about 20 times until the public uh, reaches a tipping point and believes that uh, the judicial process was not due process; that it was uh, rigged one way or the other. And I think that that's the case in the Central Park Five. Is that if you asked everybody in Hollywood on the street whether they were involved or not, I bet nine out of ten would say, "Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, they were coerced, and they were innocent black guys uh, framed by the police." I think they would believe that. I think they would honestly believe that. Wow! Don't you think? Wow!
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I had a. a, a... When I was researching the uh, the case, and it was just haunting my nightmares, it's really the, one of the worst cases I've ever researched, because the cruelty in it is they really just went out to rob joggers and bicyclists uh, and ended up raping a woman for fun, and they enjoyed it. They enjoyed the, the terror and the cruelty, and... Uh, it, it, it's such a dark, dark, dark case, and to, yeah. you know, to read, you know, parts of the confession where they're asking, you know, yeah. did the jogger say anything, and, and one of them saying, yes, she said help, wow. and just like off, just like the worst, most nightmarish things you could ever imagine, and yeah. I understand not, you know, wanting to kind of bury it and pretend it never happened, but. It's such a reversal, and a lot of uh, my friends who are very faithful say, well, this is the, you know, kind of ultimate expression of Satanism, where uh, Linda Fairstein, who was really a, a crusader for women who were victims of sex crimes, now she's... Uh, being portrayed as you know the devil incarnate terrible person they wanted to relook at all of her cases which thankfully were were denied from from the 70s to 2002 i mean it's crazy Can you imagine and that? um you know it, it just feels very you know backwards whereas these heroes really are villains <laughs> and, the, right. no, the, so that's and the, you know the heroes they' are being portrayed as villains. So it's, it's, it's bizarre.
1: And I think that the way DuVernay approached her pseudo, uh, you know, film, uh, you know, mockumentary or whatever it is, is she was really, Fairstein was really put out in the beginning as the malevolent, uh, you know, framer of the five innocent young boys, the innocent, you know, music loving just happened to be at the park at night running through, uh, you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's the way it's portrayed as much as I could watch. I really had trouble watching that. I've seen so many really horrible murders, but I, for me, the it was almost like blasphemy how little uh, in, importance the truth had in that show uh, when they see us. It was incredible. Nominated for 15 nomina- nom- Emmy nominations, and I think the, <laughs> one of the lead actors won, so it did win one award.
0: Right. And then they keep saying, you know, when he won his award, um, the actor uh, Jarrell Jerome, he, he dedicated it to Corey Wise, who he played as if he was like some, you know, <laughs> incredible person and called them the exonerated. It's like this mantra. Just keep calling them like, uh, I don't know. It makes me think of 1984 kind of, you know, um Newspeak type thing. You You know, just keep saying it over and over. Don't you
1: think that it's a PR technique these guys have used? Because in the West Memphis 3, almost every written piece on the West Memphis 3 or Damien Eccles is, Damien Eccles convicted for a crime he didn't commit. Every time. It's almost the same phrase. So I think that that's really people, it's a PR technique to really hit people with that one sentence, simply, simple to remember mantra or phrase that. negates any of their culpability.
0: Yeah, and what do you think about um, the two prosecutors, Linda Fair, uh, Fairstein and Elizabeth Lederer, not saying anything?
1: I mean, is that... Well, I feel like they have said, they've written some things in response to, the, um, to when they see us. And I do think that Fairstein tried to come out, but nobody wanted to listen. Much like, you know, people don't want to listen to uh Eric Reynolds the arresting officer he could barely find an audience to talk about I did an interview with him he's been on a few mm-hmm. shows but I you know once that narrative is created that these guys were unjustly convicted any contradictory statements I think are perceived as kind of like oh this is a this is a fascistic supporter of a tyrannical legal system that's put together to uh illegally arrest you know black people i think that that's really what it is so i don't think people even look at the facts of what the police uh gather either in the west memphis three case or in the central park five case or some of these other cases it's incredible especially when i mean aren't, aren't
0: they, i mean aren't they using oprah because i mean oprah oprah says they're exonerated and right. we should all refer to them and is it exonerated five then you know her good name it's like her You know, like when she had the O list or whatever, her stamp of approval on these.
1: Well, she's got, she's a little more interesting. She was the one who financed When They See Us. Did you know that?
0: Yes. And well, I told you what I knew when I worked at Oprah Magazine was that she didn't want to do any articles about people in prison for any, I mean, any kind of, not, we're not talking murderers, (laughs) you know, lower charges because, uh, she felt like she'd been burned by them before and that they'll never change. And, but I think it, she kind of changed her song when she needed parts and Ava DuVernay was willing to cast her in almost everything. Right.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Because, uh, I was going to say like Ava DuVernay is in my opinion, a very activist, filmmaker, so she's uh, really trying to create propagandistic uh, films in all of her films, really, because I saw the third, I think I told you this before, was the 13th Amendment, and so, you know, she's uh, definitely got a track record, I would say.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, Oprah has said some interesting and controversial things about, I mean, I just remember one talk I went to when I was at Oprah, where she said, about how her mother had said to her when she was older that she was going to find, she was going to clean one day for really nice white people. And that's like, was her grandmother's biggest dream. I think it was her grandmother's biggest dream for her. And she says, and, and then she says to the audience, and now I have a lot of really nice work, white people working for me. Sure. And I just always found a very, very, it was just a, like a very interesting moment um and i know that she got some flack for saying that so you know i i don't i don't know it's hard to tell what her politics are at all you know she really seems to kind of have a talent for riding with whatever the you know mainstream opinion is
1: interesting i mean i think she also did this new michael jackson documentary as well didn't she produce that
0: yeah, after being close with Harvey Weinstein and right. Uh, David right, and a couple right. other people who've been brought up in the Me Too movement, um, I thought that was interesting. And it came right on the tail of all the, uh, you know, uh, John, Father, you know, Father,
1: what is it, John, Father uh, John? Uh, like, Yao, John, Yao of God. John, John of God, of God yes. <laughs>
0: yes, thank you, John of God. Which I know, because I was at the magazine at the time, there's a lot of us who were very disturbed that she was promoting him. And she pro- continued to promote him, even going to his healing clinic. And what that guy is alleged, I don't know what happened with that story, but it's alleged at one point, one woman came out and said that he was having some kind of baby-making Beautiful. factory baby farm right very similar to what uh epstein wanted
1: to do right well the worst thing about his baby farm is he, after the, the woman had enough babies the, the rumor is he would kill them you know that? yeah so very uh-huh. dark and he's friends with abramovich so she keeps company with some pretty sketchy characters geffen weinstein Yao of god um did you see weinstein confronted the other day when he was in new york city did you see that those videos
0: I thought that was great. You know, I think we are way too polite just as people. You know, I, that, <laughs> I, I
1: thought could... it was
0: fantastic. Thank thank you. Yeah. Thank well, you for speaking up, woman. Like, I know. Very I I, good.
1: I, I, would, I was surprised there was only two people that were outraged, frankly. I mean, especially with the <laughs> allegations of what he's been up to for the last decades. But her comment off the top, I think she, adli- she had to have ad-libbed it that she would have needed a rape whistle and mace. Who would have thought that she would have gone to an actor's studio and needed rape whistle and a mace? So uh, kudos to her. I mean, it takes a lot of courage.
0: Really? And, you know, so here's like a thing they do. I mean, have you been, I know you've done a few
1: episodes on the Central Park Five. Have you been called a racist? Yeah, I got called a racist on the YouTube channel within an hour about three times. So I didn't know <laughs> you were a racist, William Ramsey. I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is, is that, like I contradicted the West Memphis Three for years. I still contradict the, the prevailing narrative, and I haven't called a, been called a hater of white trash or white people yet. So it's just another, you know, what's another uh, feather in my cap as far as all of my other insults: witch hunter, lunatic, conspiracy theorist, racist. So it's just uh, you know, these days it don't mean much. It doesn't mean. Much.
0: It's interesting because uh, one woman commented that she was very concerned about the amount of shows I was doing about black men raping white women. And I was like, well, by large amount, you mean two of the 87 or 86 shows I've done? Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah. You know, you some know, people have a, have their own particular axe to grind. So Yeah, you know, it's
0: you know. very interesting, though, that these – these cases are always attached to some kind of cause. So yes, the yeah. Central Park Five were victims of racism. Uh, the West Memphis Three were victims of satanic panic.
1: Right. Uh, what Adnan what, Syed is probably anti-Muslim, right?
0: That's right. Even though nine hadn't happened yet, people just hated Muslims at that point for no reason, I yeah. guess. And um,
1: uh, making a murder is what... Uh, uh, real, That's really, a
0: large,
1: large complete police
0: conspiracy, yes. I would think, or you could say some kind of uh, classism. Yep. Even though they had a salvage yard and seemed to be doing okay, um, it depends on how you how you paint it. And then uh, Amanda Knox is uh, is is a victim of uh, slut shaming. I mean, I say all this ironically: slut shaming right. and anti-Americanism. I mean, you can you have these movements for for murderers or convicted murderers or convicted rapists without some kind of cause?
1: I don't think so. I think that you have to apply it to something and then, and then affix some injustice to that. That's really it. So yeah, it's, uh, it's just so, there's just so many of these cases going on. This Amanda Knox is still going on. West Memphis three, central park five. And I think in Nancy, uh, Nancy, yet has kind of died on the vine, but these other guys are still, Operating and people are still uh, talking about him to this day. I mean, Ken Kratz is still on Twitter defending himself every day against this herd. I mean, it's just... A, its I feel sorry for that guy. Holy smokes. You interviewed him. Uh, yeah, me, right?
0: I admire him so much for it because I think it really changed the narrative, him yeah. getting out in front of it and, and defending his, his, his um, conviction.
1: Convictions, yeah. I,
0: I think it was a good thing. Otherwise, I mean, I think... You know, we'd have making a murderer like really 16. real people supporting it. Sixteen by now, yeah. you know. I mean, I think it's really. And as far as Adnan goes, they the last event they had in Baltimore, they were supposed to have a thousand people there, and about forty-five showed up.
1: Yeah, so, I think you sent me that picture, right? Oh, yeah. Like first, it was thing. supposed
0: to be a thousand seat, then it went to two fifty, and then about you know maybe forty people, forty-five showed up max.
1: Well, that's so. good news i mean that's good news adnan side is guilty as sin so so
0: here's my other question though when something like that happens where a uh, caused this uh like i guess who was an adnan supporter was uh that guy from pretty In- john crier was a adnan supporter. right i think he still is right so what happens when it becomes not fashionable anymore do you get another? Do you get another case to take its place? And what is so. this about Kim Kardashian <laughs>
1: right.
0: supporting all these convicted murderers?
1: Well, that's a two-part question. So, the, I think the first yeah. thing is that when you uh, bet on a horse that doesn't isn't going to win, you select another horse quietly and don't tell anybody. So you just pivot <laughs> right away. So, isn't Criers do uh, making or behind a film that's uh, I can't remember his production company is involved with. Uh, I can't remember which film it is. I think he's doing another documentary or something. I vaguely remember that. Do you know anything about that? I don't. Okay, so I got to look that up. But okay, so the Kim Kardashian is a long story because she's been in the news all year supporting all these different people. And I talked with you in the the pre-show about the four convicted killers that she is now uh, touting as innocent. So in California, it's Kevin Cooper, in Ohio in Oklahoma it is a guy by the name of Julius Jones in uh, that was what and then there's another guy by the name of Kevin oh, uh, Kevin Keith I think that's Pennsylvania and then the last one is these are all convicted murders um, and then there's Rodney Reed that you have done a show on in Texas so um, all these guys are on and I've done. The research into Kevin Cook, I've read all the, the, the court documents are readily available, easily accessed, and this guy is guilty as sin. He is there there's overwhelming evidence he is on death row and merits to be on death row. And I've read the court documents, so it's uh it's so pretty obvious. The,
0: so what's Kim Kardashian's position on the on the case?
1: Well she wants a complete uh, exoneration. She thinks that uh, this, you know, she's going the new DNA testing route, kind of the West Memphis 3 thing. So she wants additional DNA testing when there's already been DNA testing. And people for the background of the case, Kevin Cooper was an escaped convict. He actually had three names. So he came out of Pennsylvania. He was a very clever person as far as working the system because when he get arrested in Pennsylvania, he would feign mental illness. And then get put in a psychiatric facility that had lower standards of uh, or lower protocols of security. And then he'd escape. So he had been out of 12 different institutions by the time these murders took place um, in Chino Hills. So it was in San Bernardino. He was in, I think, the Chino Hills uh, facility and left and stayed in an abandoned house that was in Chino Hills. And it was called the lease home. And across the street were the, the victims of his uh, rampage, the Ryans, R-Y-E-N. And uh, what happened was, is he was basically kind of stalking him. He, he was trying to get away from Chino Hills, and uh, he murdered in cold blood four people. And he there's supposed to be a fifth that was going to die. One of the younger sons, uh, I think it was Josh Ryan was his name, survived like hatchet attacks. It was really brutal up close murders and uh so uh that's really the background of the case he had all the way the reason he got arrested is he was in Santa Barbara and raped a woman and she recognized the face for uh what uh a wanted poster of what happened in Chino Hills what they thought was his involvement and that's how he knew it so he was kind of a rapist burglar in and out of the system so his background he'd already been I think convicted of two felonies uh burglary felonies before these Murders that took place in Chino Hills. I think the date of that was. Um, it's funny. His his fake names were David Troutman, Chico Gaines, and Angel Jackson. So he had had you know these different names. The uh,
0: Chico. He's going, Chico. He's yeah. going after Mark's brother's name. Okay. Yeah.
1: So it was thirty-four years. What <laughs> was it? Uh, I'm trying to figure out the date. The date of his. It was. Uh, I think it was ninety three Four ninety-three, so it was a while back I mean, let's see what was the date? I, I don't have the facts in front of me but yeah, so anyway so Kim Kardashian thinks that he uh, deserves a full exoneration so.
0: so what is Kim Kardashian getting out of this you think?
1: Fame, she gets a little uh, you know uh, signaling of her divine nature and how she's really looking out for people who've got the short end of the stick uh, her meeting with Kevin Cooper, a convicted murder, ended with a group hug. So that was cute. There's a picture of her <sighs> being hugged by him. So uh, yeah, he's a uh, he's a pretty pretty scary guy. And uh, so that was one. Yeah. So she, but she's around. She's go, also Kim Kardashian seems to be wanting to be a law student. So she is now like studying to be an attorney and involved in all these innocence cases. So we'll see what uh, how everything works out. I mean that's
0: that seems like quite a lofty lofty goal for someone you know with kids and big career and everything but okay um, it's just strange to me you know as a as a woman and I have to think you know I, I don't know to always, I, to always be on the side of someone who's like murdered someone or raped someone but I've obviously You know, I I don't know. I can't get in her head. I don't know if she really thinks they're innocent or guilty or if she thinks they're innocent. Uh, Then she's pushing aside any of the more critical information. It's very strange to me.
1: Yeah. Well, the the strange thing, too, is that all this information is readily available online. So you can go and read all of these clemency hearing materials, the California Supreme Court decision. And they just keep repeating this case has been uh, tried over and over again. It sounds like that other case that Bob Ruff is working on. what? Which case was that? Jamie Snow. Jamie Snow, right. So that's another case where, like, the evidence of guilt is overwhelming.
0: Yeah, just from his own mouth. I mean, you know, I mean, it's not... Had he not opened his mouth, it would have been a much, much thinner case. But he told every everybody he knew pretty much that he did it. Right. So uh, it's kind of strange that way. And I, I guess I was asking... Um, I was asking... I guess Lynn Hartman, who I'd done an episode with, she was engaged to Stephen Avery, and I was asking her just privately, like, why do women support these violent men who hurt women? And she said, they're not looking at it like that. They think it's this great injustice. And I said, well, is it because women are more mothering that they, they're just kind of trying to like almost like take care of these guys? And she says, no, it's just sort of like this... Like what you're saying, kind of like virtue signaling, caring about an injustice, that kind of kind of uh, new identity, like a crusader for justice, but it couldn't be. And I wonder if some of it is that we're so far removed from death in this culture. Do you think that's true? I think that's true.
1: Like they don't comprehend the enormity of what they did to other people. And I think somebody who was uh, complaining against Kim Kardashian said, "Why don't you read?" One of the surviving family members testimony, you know, so it seems like she didn't read it. But I think that she's really kind of like an example of the larger um, innocence fraud movements and uh, mobocracy online of people who come to these conclusions thinking that they're Oliver Wendell Holmes and they can figure out these cases just by listening to a one paragraph uh, PR blurb.
0: I was and I was just that's such a good point because do you think that's also kind of like a real american idea that the novice could do it better than the professional like the with the novice's passion or the you know yeah. the amateur passion or just someone from the street like oh i don't know who am i thinking of um you know i'm thinking of the the movie with um, help me with Julia Roberts, where she's like going testing oh, uh, well water. Erin right. Brockovich, Aaron Brock- you know, right. So she's better than all the lawyers at her job being, you know, whatever. I think
1: that's a chance. And also maybe some of these people didn't have the chance to go get a PhD or they felt slighted by academia or slighted by people with academic credentials and they're going to show them that they can do it just as good as they could, or we can figure it out. And I'm going to take the lead on this. So I think right. that that's, that's definitely plausible. And, you know, I've thought a lot about Bob Ruff, and in my opinion, that's what comes to mind with him is that I can figure it out and I'm going to find a little wrinkle in this. That's going to be a bombshell and flip the whole case upside down. And you look at his cases that he's handled and it's almost like that's what he has for each one of those cases is this bombshell, whether it's the police who perjured himself or the time card in Adnan Syed or all these things. There's one thing that invalidates all of the other facts and evidence and I've got it figured out. So, and and what's amazing too, is a lot of people believe that too. So it's a mix for me of like mobocracy, idiocracy, and also kind of maybe a, a feeling of the underclass that like they can outwit like certain people. Like I don't go to do surgery at a doctor's office. I don't have a surgical background, I don't think I can do brain surgery, but some of these people think that they can outthink somebody at an appellate court and, you know, really add different stuff to that material, and that's a kind of a, it's pretty scary, actually. <laughs> yeah, and yet so few of them, I don't think,
0: I don't, I don't even, I, I think Bob. Ruff doesn't spend any time in court. I don't think he, no. you know, very, very rarely do I hear he's been in court. Or...
1: And it's an interesting yeah. dynamic, too, because I think that the courts themselves are kind of august bodies. They're removed from the media. They don't PR themselves. They do not engage in public discord. And I think that in the modern age, with so much act- activity to social media, people, it's a negative in the present, current social climate, because... People can't compre- really comprehend them uh, without, you know, why don't they have an Instagram account? Why doesn't the Supreme Court of California have an Instagram account where I can understand this? So I think that they may not just be able to grasp the kind of training and kind of hierarchical nature of the legal profession and what it takes to actually ascend to even a state supreme court. Is uh, it's a it's a it's a very it's a high achievement and. It takes a specific type of person to attain that and to do that work. It's very uh, rigorous, intellectually rigorous, but also, you know, you have to really be intelligent and, and have have achieved these steps in the ladder, three years of law school, passing the bar. you You do other cases, you earn repute within the profession, then you get called up. So it seems like people don't really understand that. It doesn't seem like the rank and file Americans really appreciate that. And they should, they really should. And and always you're always greeted with the sort of gener-
0: generality. Well, you don't believe someone could get wrongly convicted. You don't believe that. Of course, I believe that someone could get wrongly convicted. But do I believe it's as common as as, as you know we're often led to believe by the innocence movement? No, no. Right, I agree. No but, I don't. You know,
1: I've heard from varying different people that every person in death rows in any state prison always says they're innocent. So there could be 30 people on death row in Arkansas or whatever. Each one is proclaiming their innocence because they have to. So does that mean that because that one person who's been found guilty is proclaiming innocence is true? How do you find out whether that's true? you got to look at the police record and the court record. And in so many of these cases, they're available. They're all available. Well, so
0: if you're Jason Flom and you have the, what does he have? The wrongly convicted podcast. That's guy who used to run a, a record company. And he now has the church of rock and roll in uh, New York with Damien Eccles being a pre I don't know. He's a priest of the church or some kind of person no. in the church of rock and roll is marrying people. And, um, this guy believes everyone, everyone who says to him, I'm, I'm innocent. He's had him on a show and, wow. and seems to I don't know if there is a person he doesn't believe is innocent. It's amazing. I, I've never seen anything like it.
1: So I think that that's really it. You're, they're kind of like the legal profession moves slow. You know, the life of the law's experience. And I think that the le- not just the profession, but really the judiciary in the context of this new media that's popping around about them where people who aren't trained can sit around and chat and talk. And I think that, that that's really one of the key themes in the, what is a uh, truth is justice podcast where I forgot the guy's name, but he's constantly saying like, these people are untrained. They don't know what uh, the importance of an evidentiary hearing is. They don't know what the rules of evidence are. How do they even. Oh, s-
0: <laughs> yeah. Sam.
1: Sam. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how can they even. Sam yeah. Sam Carroll. Thanks. So. Uh, I haven't listened to all of his stuff, but I mean, I think he's making great points, um, and I think that he got on the record to contradict Bob a lot of Bob Ruff's inaccuracies. So, uh, I think that that that's really I think you're in a really uh, unique environment, really in as far as the ju- judiciary is concerned, where the public can really have access. I mean, do you know how hard it was maybe even fifty years ago to go get the court cases and sit down in a law library? These were all impediments. To the rank and file person from looking at stuff, but now you can just get bad PR, you know, right away. You can go on some of these shows. I mean, the, these these shows, whether it's Doctor Phil or Piers Morgan or The View, they do a terrible job looking at these cases. They take terrible. five minutes. Yeah, just wretched. I mean, the and jump... it's
0: so cold. It's so. Um dismissive of it, your own critical thinking. I mean, the way Dr. Phil went, uh, approached the Rodney Reed was uh, case was, I'm Dr. Phil, I'm kind of a human lie detector person with all my background. I'm going to go look this uh, convicted murderer, rapist in the eye, and um, I'll see if he's telling the truth and ask him the hard questions. He didn't ask him the hard questions. He asked him easy, basic questions about the case. And then, Voila, declared that he was, you know, telling the truth and basically rubber-stamped it for his audience and, and is sending out petitions on um, Twitter and everything to support this guy who, um, you know, brutally raped many, uh 12-year-old and many other women and, in addition, killed Stacey Stites and, and raped her and is doing, and it's on death row. But, so, my question about the death row thing is... Are death row, like the West Memphis Three case was a death row case because Damien Eccles was on, you know, death row. Right. Are those activists, do they know they're lying and is it just by any means necessary?
1: That's a good question. I think that some of the real core members in some of these cases know that the person is guilty and that's my own personal opinion. But I think they've attached themselves to these cases for either grandeur or for financial reasons, but then they're able to kind of latch on. Like, I would say almost like in the West Memphis Three case, those core members all probably knew that Eccles was involved in something untoward, but they were willing to just go along with it to get a fellow traveler out of jail. So I think that in a lot of these cases, some of these people do know. I think that some of them have gotten a bad understanding of who these people were. Most of these people have prior records, Damien Eccles. Prior record is almost never mentioned. It certainly isn't mentioned in the, the documentaries, but also Reed and this other guy, Cooper, these guys all were involved in all kinds of malfeasance that these, the people who are making comments on their case don't know.
0: And so, what about uh, Mumia Abu Jamal and Leonard uh, Peltier? So, Leonard Peltier was a Native American, uh, depends on who you talk to. Some people say he was an activist. Some say he was just sort of like a bodyguard, uh, for the reservation, the Pine Ridge reservation in South Dakota. Um, he killed two FBI agents. Um, and then he's had supporters like you too, the Dalai Lama, David Geffen and Danny Glover, Amnesty international, Um, And he also did a prison break in 1979 where that left one inmate dead. But he's uh, apparently running for vice president this year from prison. Um, Do you think that his supporters and Momi Abu Jamal, who killed a uh, officer, Daniel Faulkner, do you think that those cases are popular uh, with radicals because they feel like the killing a police officer isn't wrong or killing an FBI, two FBI agents isn't
1: wrong. I would say that that those are both like radical, uh, cases for radicals to get behind for sure. I think Peltier and Abu Jamal actually typified those kind of radical support cases where they look past the facts and see them as, uh, you know, uh, warriors against the man. So they'll be willing to, to fight against anything. I don't know how a police officer, giving a traffic ticket is some kind of, uh, front soldier for a fascist state, but, uh, I don't know, maybe the FBI, whatever, but I, you know, I, I do think that that, that's it, and so the celebritization of the culture, most people will latch on and say, oh, if, uh, you know, if the guys from Rage Against the Machine say Peltier is innocent, he's innocent, right, so, um, so, and so Mummy has that.
0: had, like, the Beastie Boys support him, you know? There, there's I mean, a
1: list of his supporters that is really a page long. You almost can't even list it. It's it's so chock full of celebrities that it's like, which celebrity is not in there is probably easier to find. So I found it, like, in his case, I think, who did I? I listed some people in my book that support him. Susan Sarandon, Nelson Mandela. She's on every list. Right. She's she like makes,
0: Jason Sloan. Yeah, she'll,
1: like, <laughs> she'll be, she wants to be first to sign. Desmond Tutu, Alec Baldwin, European Parliament, Amnesty International. So um and he was kind of faded too. Like he's like another person, maybe kinda like the Central Park vibe, Like he got his own radio show and he's uh the civil Democracy Now has
0: them on, you know, and they're done terrible reporting on almost I mean, their reporting Democracy Now is so poor on on court cases. It's absurd.
1: No, it's Trump. bad. And I think that they don't even spend that much time on it, which is really bad. But I've seen Goodman sit with West Memphis with Damien Eccles and just he's basically controlling her mind. She's repeat, repeating every uh, nonsensical axiom about the West Memphis three. And he's just nodding along. It's incredible.
0: Oh, she just nods along. I, I've written her before I before I gave up. So it was like when um, Hurricane Carter died, it was like this great man died. Uh, you know, Damien Echols is saying he could be killed for a pack of chewing gum. And um, oh, that's the ice cream truck outside, um, you know, and and she just looks at him like that's a totally normal and just nods. This is a Harvard graduate. Right. I mean, how do you leave Harvard that naive? How is that possible?
1: But don't you think that, you that these 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 know. cases are perceived within certain politics. So if you're on the left, these guys are if they can convince you that they're part of that social movement, their their uh their crimes are of a lesser context and then the same thing on the right. So some of these right-wingers may have gotten a raw deal as well. I mean, don't you don't you think people look at criminality through their own political prism?
0: Well, yeah, I, I live it with my family, and I mean, no one in my family listens to my <laughs> listens to my show because it's it's taking. They they don't like it. They they say things like, "I don't know how you got so concerned." I'm not, you know, I don't think I am. Consider particularly I got that called political. progressive.
1: I got called progressive the other day because I did an inquiry into Olaf Palma and said that the people who killed him were right wingers. I was just looking at the facts. You know, so yeah, that's an interesting case. It is, and that's a criminal case. It's their JFK. But uh, if you take certain positions, they'll just call you somebody. So I've been called a progressive and a conservative. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. Like if I criticize Abu Jamal, yeah, I'm within that prism of I'm coming at it from a right wing perspective instead of objective just my attempt at objective, non biased justice. Like what really happened. So,
0: so what's up with Susan Sarandon when when she named her kid after? Um, uh, Jack Henry Abbott, who um, was in prison, killed a guy in prison when he was in there for forgery. Then gets out with the help of Norman Mailer and Susan Sarandon. Then six weeks later, kills—I'm sorry—I can't remember his name—kills a waiter. Richard uh, Ad- a red- Dan was Thank you, janitor. thank you so much.
1: In a restaurant uh, bathroom. So Abbott, yeah. His book so was what, in the belly of the beast.
0: In the belly of the beast. And I was just looking at footage from Norman Mailer talk about that. And uh, he said, well, I I don't consider myself, um, I don't consider the fact that, you know, basically that, that I helped get him released was the problem. The problem was that he couldn't have a babysitter every day, every second of every day to keep him from being violent and that like and then he likened it to an alcoholic like his addiction henry uh jack henry abbott's addiction to violence he likened it to alcoholism and saying that someone needed to stay with him every second of the day to make sure he didn't commit a violent crime wow. and because he couldn't do that he takes responsibility but he said i had a great debt to him because uh he was so generous with his ideas for my book uh about uh gary gilmore uh that i had to pay him back somehow like i mean i I would have i don't think i'd ever be the same as someone that i got out of prison you know um
1: i don't know how they do it something like that like that i mean especially like we were talking about crimes against the body these people murdered people like these are not drug crimes uh kardashian to her credit it was involved in getting somebody out with a life sentence for drug crimes just recently i forgot her name but these are right. crimes against the body. And, I mean, you should they should have known Abbott was trouble when he dedicated his book to Carl Pazram, who was like a notorious, hyper-violent killer. Uh, so it's uh, not very smart. Pazram was responsible for 21 deaths and additional rapes of men and women.
0: But don't you think naming your child after that? I mean, isn't that a different level than we're yeah. No, talking there's about?
1: Something, Yeah, no, there's something weird going on. I don't know. I don't know what it is, especially with Saranda and why they, they feel the need to go. And I think it goes back to virtue signaling, too. I think that that's, that's it. If the system's unjust, if the system's too harsh, if these people got didn't get a break. Uh, I, I would say that for these people who are in jail, I would say the system is working, that dangerous people are off the street. Uh, they've proven themselves to be dangerous, and that's why they deserve to be in jail.
0: Yeah, and... That brings me to Mira Hindley's such an interesting case. Um, we we're just talking a little bit about that. She was someone who uh, k- killed children with her boyfriend at the time, Ian Brady, in the '60s, and buried them in the moors, which is like a sort of rural area. And um, she had a lot of supporters when she was in prison. Some were um, one was Janie Jones, who was a singer who was in there who was in prison herself with. Uh, Myra Henley for controlling prostitutes and she hated Myra Henley when she came in but Henley convinced her she had nothing to do with the crimes and she also had Lord Longford who was a very liberal politician um, who uh, went on shows and said that she should get parole at least a shot at parole and have the chance to be free because the judge had said that she was unlike Ian Brady, her boyfriend, in that she wasn't sociopathic and without his influence, she might have never done these crimes, right? Right. So, and she said she maintained her innocence, but there is always this audio tape of her abusing Leslie Ann Downey, one of their victims. uh, And it was Myra's voice on the tape, not, you know, Ian Brady's. And sort of when you got to that part of the conversation with her supporters, there's a few different videos on YouTube um, from that time where they're publicly advocating Lord Longford is and Jannie Jones and a bunch of other people advocating for her release and squaring off with um, Ann West, who was uh, Leslie and Downey's mother. And you can kind of see um, that, they, that, that they just shut down at the thought of the tape you know, Interesting. And, what hap- and what happened was that in the 80s, like 10, you know, 10 years later, she confessed to everything. And Jenny Jones came out and said, I've been had. She's made a fool out of me. She's made out a fool of Long, uh, Lord Longford. And she's a very convincing liar. And I almost threw up when I heard that she had confessed to everything. So it's just interesting that this continues on, you know what I mean? Right. Like with different bad effects, either they get someone out and they, they, uh, someone else gets killed. Uh, another person kidnaps someone or, you know I mean? There's a lot of those kind of cases or, um, they end up looking foolish in their belief. Really. It's like almost like a rel- religious belief because it's not really based on anything except beliefs, believe that, that this person is telling you the truth that's a convicted <laughs> prisoner right
1: right i mean i think sorry. it's interesting no but i think that that's kind of what the what the courts are there in a rarefied sense is to find out what the truth is what are the facts so when people contradict what the courts have gone through what the police have found what the prosecutor is able to use to obtain a conviction you can only feel you know you can only feel sorry for them that much really because there's other people whose job it is you're paying your tax dollars to, to investigate and find out what's going on. There are checks and balances within the the judicial system. So, um, yeah, but I mean, I think, don't you think that a lot, some of these people, there's tons of West Memphis three followers who've got in touch with me and said, Oh man, I supported him. I sent him money. I feel sorry for about it now. So there are people who do acknowledge that they got had and, uh, I'm maybe too few and too far between, but there are people who do admit it.
0: That's a very hard thing to do, and I'm always interested. I mean, it's kind of a the theme of my shows: talking to people who've changed their mind or change changed their thinking on any any kind of instant, any kind of significant way, because it's very hard to admit that you've been fooled or that you were wrong. I agree. You know?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the West Memphis Three, for example, I thought that there was something wrong when I first watched Paradise Lost. And then I heard that they got out, and I just went, oh, there must have been some kind of uh, mistake within the trial. There must have been a technical problem or something when they got out. I had no idea what was going on, you know. So uh, people can get different impressions. It's like, uh, what kind of information are they obtaining? So, But, yeah, acknowledging that you got it wrong is – I think it's a tough one for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, what I don't – I mean, thank God for – Ed Opperman was like really one of the few lone people out there producing any kind of uh, material, you know, uh, of, about the West Memphis Three being guilty. It was hard True. to. F- it was not easy to find.
1: No, not That's easy. Not to easy say. to do either. Actually, to his credit. True. I mean, I mean, you back in those days, it was you. You kind of uh, invoked the fury, so to speak, by even saying that. So, uh, Ed Ed has taken a lot of really great positions, long form investigative positions that. Uh, really important he puts them up anyway he's done some great investigation not just on the west memphis three but on the Hampstead hoax and on other people who believe that you know these are other hoaxes there's one guy by the name oh gosh why can i remember his name um people think that he was credible but ed puts up his interview with him and uh it was also transformation of america so he's done some where he's exposed some of these stories that cannot be credible
0: Yeah, that was a great interview he did with Kathy O'Brien and her husband. She's asking her husband,
1: what am I supposed to say? Oh, it (laughs) was the most dangerous game and I was being hunted in the forest? Yeah, I was being hunted in the forest.
0: (laughs) It was. It's really interesting. And and I I don't think it, it, you know... uh, it's hard to say the truth sometimes, you know, I think my West Memphis three videos are just even maybe more downvoted than they are uploaded, you know, at least pretty close to even at this point. And I still get that's what I don't understand is when someone writes something like, oh, you just haven't the reason that Miss Kelly's confessions, because I say it so many times that you cannot ignore the fact that there's more than, you know, there's so many of them. Um, aren't, weren't factual and were all made up. And that's how I know they've never listened to them when yeah. they say that. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's just repeating the propaganda without even looking into it. I can't even imagine that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a shame. And I think some people can't tell the difference between PR and propaganda. I think that's very hard for some people. So there's kind of like a word soup or concept soup in their brain where they can't sort it out. Uh, put one column of fa- actual real facts and the other column of PR. I, mean, I think I told you in one of our earliest talks one of the people who complained of West Memphis 3 said, she wrote me something and said, I don't like your version of the facts. <laughs> Just That's like, amazing. Oh. Yeah, it's incredible. So... Um, Anyway, so it's... So uh, do we
0: miss anyone big?
1: Uh, I don't think so. Who else, who else is... is uh, George Davis. Who's How George Davis? Him? Who's
0: that? He was a bank robber that Roger Daltrey of The Who wore a George Davis is Innocent shirt on stage. He was released in 1976. And then he robbed another bank in 1978. So, <laughs> once again, surprise, surprise. Uh, I mean, it's just... I, I think there... It, Uh, I think they're all very, very interesting. These uh, campaigns. I mean, I think we're really at the end of the Adnan. We're at the end of the Making a Murderer, you know, series. I think you're right. And I'm just interested to see what comes, what comes, what Netflix comes up with next. You know, pretty much. It's. I mean, that's. Could you? I mean, could we? You do this without Netflix? Or
1: I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to see what, what. I think John Cryer. This production studio is working on something, but I gotta, I'm got trying to do it on the fly, figure it out.
0: Remember that they were supposed to be doing a thing on O.J. being innocent uh, with yes. Martin Sheen narrated, and that never came to fruition. Indeed. So right. um, I just wonder if we're kind of, I mean, maybe I'm deluded, but kind of at the top of the mountain, just starting to go over the peak of, of all this innocence fraud, maybe on the way down hopefully
1: hopefully hopefully it'll be down i think that more people are kind of coming aware of the concept so i think that that's uh that's good let's see
0: so do you think that that um oh and satoya brown there's someone that kim kardashian got helped get out who who i think is probably will reoffend and yeah, is huh? dangerous oh anyway so i think we're close to the end did i miss any anyone I don't think anyone so. I think we're no. at 50
1: minutes that's a uh, that's that's good
0: yeah, hefty. So where can people find you
1: I'm on uh, the internet I'm on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube I'm all my podcasts are all over that feature you prominently are all over William Ramsey investigates so if anybody wants to hear me drone on you know, I've been told that uh, my podcasts are a cure for insomnia so if you need to get uh-huh. to bed.
0: Thank you, William Ramsey. I appreciate it. All right.
1: Take care. Okay. Bye.